quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. So there I was. This is episode 90, titled The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. This is awesome. <laughs> it's our second It's our second edition with Gallo, because, man, he had some stories, and you're going to not be disappointed by this second half. No, if you enjoy the first half, you're really going to enjoy the second half. Some great, great stories. No sponsors this week, but a couple quick admin notes. For starters, please go to sotherawas.us slash review or sotherawas.us slash rate. Either one will get you to the place where you can leave us. How many stars, Fig? Five, baby. Five stars. Nothing less will do. Hey, the other thing we just started doing this year, folks, is setting it up. So we're going to live stream our recordings with our guests. So you can watch us live as we do them. I try to send out as much notification as possible. In fact, I'm about to send out one that's about 23 hours away for our next recording session from when we're speaking, not from when you hear this. After the live recording session, though, we're going to pull those videos into private mode only. And the way you get to go see them is to go to sotherawas.us slash Patreon and become a member there. And our Patreon supporters get to forever and for always view our live stream recording sessions. I, I don't know, kind of like watching paint dry, right? Watching guys sit behind a microphone and talk. <laughs> right. I, you know, that's the way, but it's, you know, it's my face, so I don't know. I, I, I don't want to see it. Right hey, so, some people like watching it, you know, with uh, with pictures and everything, and yeah. that's cool. It, and you do you do get the hand gestures because some of our guests have had some pretty amazing hand gestures, right? Yeah, I mean, you start getting guys shooting their watches down and all that good stuff. So <laughs> that's right. But and 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 you get to see what the guests look like, and you get all the unedited crud, you know, all the stuff that I try to take out for the recorded podcast that goes out. But I anyway, I don't yeah. know why you even bother yeah. to take that out, dude. We should just let it roll. We should, and I'm <laughs> uh, I'm getting more and more into that you know mode where I'm, I'm going to let clicks go and the uhs and the ums and ahs, mostly because I'm the worst offender. Hey, speaking you know of letting I mean? things go, yeah, why do why don't we get out of the way and let Gallo tell the rest of his stories? We can do that. Two quick things though. Let's tease them real quick. Titles: The Blues Brothers might have had something <laughs> to do with a couple lieutenants who checked into the station when Gallo was a group CO. Yeah. This and is we funny, both, and we actually know both those. We guys. know both these guys. <laughs> they were our time. It was our. It was during our time frame when this went down, and uh, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah. it uh, I wasn't there. You and I were East Coast guys. However, yeah. I had a conversation with Sinbad yesterday in Denver, and I brought that up because I told him Gala was our guest, and he started laughing when I said the Blues Brothers. Yeah, I know those guys. Well, we remembered Juice, but we didn't remember Vegas. So Vegas. Vegas. Your name has now been mentioned. <laughs> we we got to get both Juice and Vegas on to tell their side of the story because I'm sure they're. Right. I'm sure they have a absolute perfect reason for, for all going down the way it did. Yeah, they wanted to see the tatas. <laughs> that was their reason. <laughs> oh well, I can, anyway, I can only imagine. Yeah, the other one I wanted to tease was when he thought he was almost ejected from an airplane by the scene arch, and it, it made John Glenn laugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's another good story. Had to give a talk in front of John Glenn. No pressure there, right? Not at all. Talking about being a test pilot. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's explain to John Glenn what it's like to be a test pilot. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, folks. This here is a true Here story. comes Gallo. About sit back, relax. Pond. Don't sit on the ejection seat. At man. night. And it's not comfortable. And the world's smallest cockpit. On the tanker. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So, I want to go back, because... Yeah, I got a note that has this is Air Force Air Force versus Navy Navy flying, and and you know I know from personal experience there's quite a different theory or not theory. It's much more structured. Yeah, can you uh, can you expand on that? Well, yeah. Air Force versus Navy uh, 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 theology, so to speak. Well, uh, I think the I think it's much more liberal in the in the navy you you've got to think for yourself you've got to do this they have their pros and cons for what the air force does we're not looking for a fighter pilot to fly a c141 you're not it's i'm sure that it's it's the same kind of thing it's just different i wouldn't say one is superior it depends on what you're flying nobody's going to appreciate you doing a shit hot break in with the airlines Right. Nobody is. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's, you there's don't, people who won't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, not well, at you're, all. You're single. Yeah, you're single. Single seat pilots. You're, you know, your fighter pilots and the rest. What's acceptable there is is not in the airlines, and what's acceptable in the airlines is not. And you've got to be more aggressive if if you're flying combat. So it's, it's just the same thing with the air force. In the Navy, I don't say think one is better than the other. They are different. Yeah. And I, I think that there's more, it's more structured in the Air Force. And you can argue whether that's better or worse. It depends on the, if, if I need something innovative, then I, I think I'd rather have a fighter pilot. I don't think that the airlines are looking for anything innovative. You know, I, I mean, that's the, so, so that's the difference. So, because people ask me a lot of times, which is preferred. I think the the level of training outside of Lawman and the Blue Angels, I think certainly they, they put more time and effort into formation flying in the in the Air Force, a lot more into instrument flying. And so the but you have your climb corridors and descent corridors and and there's and you can't be outside. It's a it's no different than the than the red lines painted on the Air Force fields, <laughs> right? You know, I said when you when you look at every aviator who's been you know, who's been molested by an MP, guilty for, yep. for crossing that. <laughs> every, uh, many of us have. Yes. When you look Unless at it lines. if I had limited manpower and I want to control what's going on in the airfield, all I have to do is look down that line, and it's and it's and it's either crossed or not. I, I mean. You could use a lot, a lot fewer people and maintain security if you had those very structured rules. So when you think about it, even though you've, you know, you've been on the wrong end of the of the stick with that, it's still, if you think it through, it makes sense. Sure. Does it I'm make it any less? I'm not trying to be politically correct with the Air Force and the Navy. I, I just feel that way. I think the uh, it's a different a different approach to the aviation, and I don't, and I think it's appropriate to what they're doing. You get into an Air Force 
fighter squadron and you got some very aggressive fighter pilots. That's all there is to it. I would say one thing that attracted me when, when we're making comparisons, I liked somebody asked me, a young guy just the other day, a friend, a friend of Sugar's and mine, Duke, and his grandson was, was thinking about flying this a while ago. And anyway, the, they said, talked about Air Force, Navy, and I said, well, let, me, let me tell you, do I want to be Air Force pilot or, or no, I'm sorry, a Navy pilot or Marine Corps pilot because he is deciding what to do after Pensacola or going to Pensacola. And I said, it depends on your orientation. Uh, and an Air Force pilot is a, a pilot, or a, I'm sorry, I keep using Air Force. A Navy pilot is a pilot who happens to be in the Navy. A Marine pilot is a Marine who happens to be a pilot. Yeah. And I said, so it's just, yeah. it's just which comes first. And I said, if, if that's just making your decision, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's an individual decision, but that's an, an easy way to say it. That's, that's how I differentiate. Right. Oh, that's well said. That's, yeah, that's great. Answer. That's really well done. Yeah. So it's funny. You should mention this, this gent named lawman. We're, we're, he's, he's actually watching live on, on Rumble, so have at him. Where did you first run into this young lieutenant? <laughs> tell you what, the uh, low man's a piece of work. I, I, I like him a lot. I'm, I don't want this podcast to be within a year of his. I don't. <laughs> I can't stand up to that kind of, uh, to that kind of competition. Uh, you're doing just fine, General. <laughs> those were some. Those were some of my my favorite ones there. I do so, have. Let's see. I'm trying to think of some so, fun ones. I can think of some some fairly fairly tragic. OC was a is a friend of mine. He's an astronaut. Okay. He's class of class of '68. We went through test pilot school together, and then we were we were both pilots together, and he was. He's pretty straight, or he's straighter than I am anyway, straight legs. And, but I loosened him up a little bit. We were doing one test at Calspan up in New York. And it was the, we were flying the X-22. And the X-22 is a four-poster fans that rotate. Okay. And it's a, it's a test bed. And what we were doing was getting ready for the AV-8B. If you picture stability and just innate stability in an aircraft and then the best HUD you can think of. Okay. There's two ways of going of making an airplane easier to fly. You can make it more stable or more stability augmentation, or you can get better displays. Just follow the bouncing ball. Okay. And in the X-22, you had an in-flight programmable heads up display and you had variable stability. You had rheostats where they could change the stability of the airplane. You could make it fly almost like anything. And so we were flying that to say, getting ready. We knew that the AV-8A, we had to improve the stability. We had to improve the flying qualities that <clears throat> we just lost a lot of them through pilot air. And the pilot in the pilot air can be helped with making the airplane easier to fly. That makes sense. And, but you can't make it too easy because then you, if it's too stable, it's not maneuverable. So you want it to be maneuverable yet stable when you want in the landing pattern. You, you'll give up that maneuverability for some stability. So we were doing it with the with the uh, X twenty two, and you had you had a helmet 
with polarized. So there's no, no peaking when it's polarized because they shut it down and then they could vary the stability. And so you have a graph and you have stability go, going in one direction. And you have heads up display going in the other direction. How do you vary? And then the, the third ladder is money. Because you can, oh, that's very good. Yeah, there it is. That's really good. That, that looks <laughs> like a whirling dervish yes. death trap right there. So what you're trying to do is minimize the money, maximize the stability. And how do you do that? By varying the stability and varying the information to the pilot. And so we did that. And the engineer for CalSpan was Jack. And just his name was Jack. And I'll, that's as far as I'll go because Jack won't like it. Well, anyway, <laughs> Jack... And was taking pictures and he had he had a tripod and he would he would take pictures and he's and his family's always asking him about his work and he said I just want to take a lot of pictures he said to our guys some of his civilian test pilots couldn't be bothered and Brian and I he took his handheld camera you know we took it over we were happy to help him and then he said I've got to go pick up my family he said would you get a few more pictures of the airplane. And he left a camera on a tripod. Holy, Uh-oh. he didn't know who he was dealing with. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, we did it. We, we, we dropped some flight suits. We hooked arms. We did a double inverted. It was a beauty. <laughs> and with the airplane in the background. I mean, this, is, this was set up nicely. Oh, boy. And Do we need to have a talk? That's we, great. We forgot. He, he, it turns out. So he got his... He, he, Got his family, and he raced back, and he got the film developed, the 24-hour thing. And the next time we saw him, he was a little hot. I can't <laughs> If you can imagine with his family gathered around. I said, did you preview him? Did you? No. He just put those beauties up. So. Oh, no. Thought, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it was a misfire. <laughs> oh, that's I, I can I can just imagine him with a clicker, you know. And here we are. Oh my God! Oh, oh, oh! That's just that's just rich. So I <laughs> I, I want to I want to change gears here just for a second, Gallo. There's a in, in our notes. So CO relieved after accident. Is that that's in that's in two thirty one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Gosh, everybody liked him. He. Uh, because I, 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 I think I think I remember from Sugar's book, one of Sugar's books. This is I, I think I know this story, but will you will you talk about that? Uh, well, let's see. We had I, I'm sketchy on the whole thing. On one of them, I was LSO. We had one guy came over from A fours, and this turned out this is not a not a fine moment. But there was always tension between A4s because the Harriers were replacing them. Sure. And it was you, you see the A4s forever and all that business. And right. and there's there's still no love lost between a lot of guys chose to not to not transition. There was a couple that I know of for sure that took their worst pilots and said, You need to you need to transition to Harriers. You really there's no place here for you. So oh. the number of people that got shit canned at Harriers and that I believe that account, I know it accounted for one because uh, I watched him do it even after he landed with a conventional landing and put his stick full forward and in into the wind. And there was, there was no wind and just drifted across 
off the side of the runway five, down the ditch, engine still running, just froze at the controls. Finally, mm-hmm. that was that was one of them. The other one was Duffy Doherty, who, who managed to – he lost an outrigger and, and, and got ejected from uh, from right. that one. Yeah, then there yeah was the Sugar, Sugar talks about that one in his book. Yeah. Then there yeah. was Rock Davis. Rock was the uh, – Rock was my neighbor, and he lifted off the south pad and rolled over and stayed there burning for a while while the crash truck was calling for – clearance across the runway, which made me crazy because I went with his widow down to Brookburn Center and, and, and waited three days for him to go. And we did, that's what got me on tool control and as a maintenance officer, because we, the XO was the, did the accident investigation, found a flashlight with squadron 231 markings on it in the aileron control actuator. Shit. And so yeah. talk about preventable, talk about tool control. So anyway, that was all those things happened. The CO, Rocky Nelson, he said, I just want to stop the inflow. We want to stop, you know, we need to we need to choke this down. And he said, I don't want this pilot. We know that he and so anyway, he's the one one of the ones that crashed. And finally the the uh, so he got relieved. This is after nearly refusing to fly what they wanted what they wanted his squadron to fly. Brand new guys. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. We all had 20 hours and they want to frag us for, you know, to, to go do close air support. That wasn't a problem. Anyway, so that was, wow. he was, he was a fine seal. We all, we all felt that way, but he just, he just got caught the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Well, that's, and it, that's rough. obviously it was one of the more difficult airframes on the planet to fly and it was going to have some growing pains. I mean, you just, yeah, I'm, just I'm, no two ways about it. A little it. bit off. Spicer didn't relieve him. Yeah. That was much earlier. Spicer yeah. relieved another fella who was out of control. He he needed to be relieved. He he was didn't have a didn't have a clue what was going on. And he had the inmates running the asylum. I was one of the inmates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh geez. Nice. Oh man. Yeah, that's right. Because he they brought him back down from the at the time it was the NARF, Naval Air Rework Facility, right. and he was a major. Was he L C Select or Right. Yeah. So No, he wasn't even, I don't think he was L C Select. I think he was, okay. right. he was a major. I had known him just just as a neighbor. Yeah, his mm-hmm. his daughter babysat my daughters and, and just he's a fun guy and but when he's serious, he's serious. Right, right. And so anyway, he asked me, he said, do you want to be in the flying club down the street or do you want to stay here? And it's not going to be fun as we redo it. We had to come to Jesus meeting a couple of times. And he he actually, we went back and talked about taking me to the shed. He said, <laughs> he, said he said, let's go back to the barn, out to the hangar, take a walk, a walk beyond that. And it was a, it was okay. a serious you know, you we're we're going to make some fundamental changes, and you've been part of the problem, and you can be part of the solution, or you can continue to Hollywood. Wow! I said, there you go. Yeah. So it, it was pretty straight up. He he yeah. candy coated that a little bit <laughs> in his book. It was he did not candy coat it with me. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Right? But you know, you gotta you gotta respect a guy that's just gonna shoot straight with you. You know, you may not like what you hear, but as I, long as it's the truth, do. right? That's, that's exactly how I felt. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that well, and then I imagine there were some serious growing pains there as well, because uh, I, I imagine a lot of the inmates were not happy to give up their control. And the inmates. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good. That's a really good analogy. Well, I'll um, tell you a story here. This is. Uh, that's way too serious. We we have to get in more fun aviation things here. Okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you, that this is a story that I told. I was asked later on when I was the deputy commander at the Naval Air Systems Command. I was asked by the, the squadron down in Pax River if I would be a guest speaker. And I said, sure. And I said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, test piloting. That seems reasonable. And so anyway, what I I didn't know was when I went down there that I was going to be the guest speaker, but I was not the guest of honor. The guest of honor was John Glenn. Okay. So so, because it it was the John Glenn squadron and he agreed to be there for the inauguration. And so uh, you imagine how thrilled I am to go go down and be – tell John Glenn about being a test pilot. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, I told, I told the story of the most frightening thing that I ever had ever encountered as a test pilot. And this served me well. So I'll, 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 I'll save this one. The, when I went, I'll tell the story of the, okay. The, yeah. Of the flight. So anyway, so I was flying, I flew in the morning as a strike aircraft test director. I had, we were flying the YAV-8B, we were flying, I was, I was flying the, let's see, the OV-10, doing some testing on that, and the T-34 spin evaluation. And I finally did the, I had a flight with, which was radar cross-sections. The radar cross-sections was just droning back and forth. It's the guys in the ra- in radar, are what you look like at different altitudes and different looks, and sure. it's, it's just documenting. Okay. The area, and all you did was fly straight and level with 300 gallon drop tanks and just stay airborne forever. You know, it was, you know, it was truly, I, I hate to say this, it was, it was almost like flying an airliner. <laughs> I get it. I totally I mean, get it. Sadly, so do I. It's not something you brag about, you know, it's right. you just get through it. Sure. So, anyway, <laughs> the night before that, the night before that, Old, my old friend, this is this is Mickey Squid, is over. Okay, and he he happened to be passing through, and he was in the in the early on squadron, in that first squadron with us, yeah. and he had gone on, he went on to do different things, but he was one of the things he talked about was he flew A sevens before he, before he came with us. He came right out of the med, and while he's in the med, he actually had a mid air. It was the you know, it was the usual, both cam- both single seat aircraft, both of them with cameras. They're flying in the med and they want to get some pictures from Soviet ships. And you got the lead, I've got the lead. And Mickey said he thought he had the lead. <laughs> and anyway, the it, turned, it, it was really tragic because his his lead died in the in the accident. But they had a midair, and Mickey described it, and he did, all of a sudden he heard this bang, and and he said he, he knew something bad had happened, but he couldn't. And he saw nothing but orange, this loud bang. 
orange in front of him. The next thing he knows, he's in the shoot. He's been sympathetically ejected. Uh, no, just no idea how it happened. And so when he went through the whole thing, I was kind of hanging on my, the edge of my seat because he got injured pretty badly and then, then got picked up. And uh, it's out of a book. He was on a, some island and with with some good-looking women. Anyway, it was <laughs> it was a great story. But I remember, I, I just remember the the ejection. So anyway, so I, I show up and I'm off another flight. And I remember I got to strike and then Tomaine Charlie's out in front with his food truck. And so I got a bag of Cheetos and I got a, I got a ham sandwich and a lemonade or something. And I remember, and I'm going to be on this flight. So I just, I stuck it, stuck it stuck the Cheetos in front and I got the sandwich in the back and I went through and it was just Brian and I were the only two guys flying and he was, he was gone. So you don't, you don't shut everything down like you do in other airplanes. You're the only guy flying and you don't have to worry about adjusting the seat. You don't have to worry about anything except the plane captains will periodically help you out by oh. turning switches down. In this yeah. case, they turned cabin pressurization switch off. Oh, and I did my oh. usual scramble pre-flight. Did a beautiful job. And climbed out, and I distinctly remember I was going through, uh, I, I think it was above 10,000 feet or so, but uh, that's okay. And I get, I started taking my mask off to get, I reached for the sandwich, and I heard the tremendous boom, nothing but orange in front of me. I said, oh, <laughs> shit. I said, this is it. This is it. I'm getting out. And the Cheetos had blown up. And they, and, so here I was attacked by a half crazed bag of Cheetos. I, I almost got out. I said that was it. I could. I relived the whole thing, and I said I I got back down. I would. It, it was the closest I thought I was going to die in an airplane because I've heard you ask before. Have you ever been close to ejecting? Yeah. How I thought I was. That was it, huh? No. Oh. So anyway, I I mentioned the that, mishap report on that. Bag of I Cheetos. Out, I got out from under because. John Glenn laughed, you know, and he was, I'm sure he was, he was waiting for a, a test pilot story. And so that one kind of saved me. If you can get him to laugh, you know, he's not mad. Right. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Was, no pressure was, there. Worst moment in the Harrier out of, out of 43 years is I was attacked by a half crazed bag of Cheetos. <laughs> That's a, that might be a showtime. And that right dust there, had maybe. to be everywhere. I cannot oh imagine. Gosh. That airplane's I mean, probably sitting there. in the desert somewhere with Cheetos dust still all over the cockpit. <laughs> That's right. I had one. I, I played golf with a with a friend of mine at Army Navy the other day, and he just got back from vacation, and he okay. stopped at the Pima Museum. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And it's got a Harrier on on a pad out there. And so he took some pictures of the Harriers, 158959, I think. And I, I sent those to you as well, repeat, because he said – Hey, have you ever flown this airplane? Do you think? And so I took that and I compared that to my logbook, and that was my first two flights in in a Harrier. The, the first two conventional, the first two flights, both of which were conventional takeoff and landing, but it was in that same airplane. So that was this, a small world. That's oh, that's awesome. Let's back up a little bit. You you were the CEO of VMA three thirty one at one point. So how, how did that come about? What was what was that like becoming the head guy? Like you said, you, in some ways, you thought that was the easiest. Was that your best job in the Marine Corps? What was your best no. job? You know, my, I think my best job was when I was a CO of a detachment. I was a CO of, <clears throat> excuse me, 231 Debt Bravo. 
I had, I think, six or seven pilots, and I had six airplanes and 100 enlisted. And we went over to Kadena, and we deployed to the Philippines. We deployed to Creo. We deployed. It was up to Iwakuni. I so I had all those. My boss was a. He was 800 miles away, frightened fighters of Harriers. Didn't want to hear anything. Didn't want. Didn't want to see me. It was great. Nice. So yeah, that was the most independent I think that I've ever been, and. Mm-hmm. It was an awful lot of fun. We had in that squadron. Let's see. And then in 331, I started to write some down because you'll recognize some of the names. In 331, we had Smitty and Buckwheat and Woody, mm-hmm. Jazz, Otto, yeah. Oscar, and Lawman. And so, and that's when Sugar was our guest for our dining in. I think Lawman was the was the guy we put on his to keep track of him. Not. Right. Not an easy yeah. task, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they both mentioned that. So we had some, we had some memorable ones. I think. Let's see. Oh, I can remember in three thirty one, Oscar jumped out. We went up to Nellis on a red flag and flew it, okay. and I think that I was given Oscar his section lead check, and I so I was flying as his wingman, and I noticed I was I was back and I thought I saw something with Oscar when he made a turn. I got a little bit closer and behind, just behind the cockpit was nothing but flames. I said, Oh, that's bad. I said, Oscar, you're on fire. Eject, eject. I didn't have to do it. I didn't do it twice either. And so, and he was gone. So anyway, the, he survived that one later on. He said he was most worried about maybe ejecting. He said, when he was flying with this, flying with the CO, and he said, and "Then you told me to do it." He said, "That made it a lot easier." Oh, geez, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, that one. Then I think I flew through the box coming back. Managed to get low enough on fuel. You can remember that's that's when they they told you to go home, regardless of of who you were. Right. So anyway, I made I think buckwheat. <laughs> I said um, I had a uh, electrical failure, and oh, okay. so and Buckwheat said, "Well, we can still paint you on the <laughs> as I flew through the box." Have you had Buckwheat on yet? We we have not. We've had Lawman and Auto on and Smitty. Those we had Smitty and oh, and Smitty. That's right. And yeah. then uh, and obviously Sugar. Well, it's Smitty, not, uh, as I recall, so. it was it was a good moment. Smitty. It spent his whole life in operations, and he was my opso. And Buckwheat was my maintenance officer, and he had spent his whole career in maintenance, and we were very comfortable there. And so they would come into my office periodically to drop, drop a dime. You know, we could, uh, we could fly more if uh, I think maintenance might be holding a couple airplanes back <laughs> just to run the numbers up. And, and then Buckwheat would, would go through and, and – Somehow, drop the hint that that they're that they're holding airplanes back. And oh, Smitty said they're flying their airplanes into the dirt. Anyway, it's going back. The usual maintenance off stuff, you know. Sure, so yeah, sure. I said, you know, boys, and I had planned this before because I wanted to move them around because if they're going to be CO, they need to see life on the other side. 
So just about the time I'm ready to swap jobs with these guys, they come in and they had something that, that they were unhappy with it. And I listened to their sad tale for a while. And I said, you know, boys, it's, it's clear to me that you're both capable of doing the other guy's job better than he is. So we're going to do it right now. Whoa, 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 what? They went. They. <laughs> I said, you're the so Smitty, you're the AMO, so head back out to the hangar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sir. No, no. We, you know, we like it. Like, you know, we're doing, we're working together. You know, we couldn't. And <laughs> they went out and they came back in 10 minutes later, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. And just, we love each other. We can, I, we couldn't get along better than we are right now. And I said, you don't get it. I said, go back to the hangar. That's where you live. You go back to the op shop. <laughs> it's one of those. It was great. It was great watching their face. They're like, "Oh no, <laughs> I don't want to be in the op oh, shop anymore." That's right. Let's see. Good. That's outstanding. So you were the second CEO of EMA three thirty one. That's right. Okay. Uh, as a second one. Well, let me ask a stupid question. Yeah. So three thirty one did have a four mics before Harris, yes. right? Okay, so you were the second Harrier CEO or the second, second CEO? Second Harrier CEO. Okay. Now, right. at first, that leads me to a story right off the top. There you <laughs> the guys go. in 331 are not going to be happy with this, but the, uh, <laughs> let's see, black call sign of a good friend of mine. And we've been hanging around for a number of years. And he's, he's, he was an all-American lacrosse player and just just a, one of the funniest guys I know. And... He was CEO of 331 when they when they had A4s. And so anyway, we were laughing and scratching the two old CEOs. And we both get invited to the stand down of 331. And 331 is going to fold the flag. You know, the Marine Corps is getting smaller. And there's a bunch of young guys that enlisted both of us. to. I was, I was a general at the time. So they wanted me to stage a coup and you know pick some other squadron and keep 331 alive forever. And I said, you know, I've learned in my career to pick the right fights and and trying to unload on another squadron. The Marine Corps has got to get smaller. This is not the fight I choose. So they were all, I'm sure they're still calling me a wimp, but yeah. So I I went to the, I went down there to the, to the stand down and, and black went with me and we're sitting there and and at luncheon after the, the ceremony. And I have to be sitting next to the historian of the Marine Corps. And I said, well, I've been wondering how they do this. And I said, is it LIFO, FIFO, you know, last in, first yeah. out, first in, last, you know, how do they do it? He said, oh, no, it's all based on merit. Holy shit. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> I looked at Black and I said, we came, we came in there looking good. We left broken men. We are CEOs of the least meritorious <laughs> squadron in the Marine Corps. <laughs> That's just, that doesn't seem right. What right. the? So we have a lot in common now. So I apologize. Well, you guys like lawman dragging you down. You know, it's. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. apparently they found out lawman was in nice Sorry, lawman. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's lackers. You know, lawman, auto. The only thing, lawman <laughs> did a fine job in the squadron. He he had a lot of trouble with formation flying. That's the only 
on a critic. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. That completely yeah. makes sense. And I said, well, in all his show, he talked about said, how difficult you, you it was in his future that. squadrons. You know, he had a hard time. You know, I said, you need to work on that. I guess he took me seriously. <laughs> so did, did you interview for a NASA job? I did. To be an astronaut? I did. I went down with, with OC and after, and I had, we, let's see, it was his second interview and I went down just for the, kind of for the practice because they want to see a constancy of purpose. So they would do it too. They seldom picked anybody in their first run. So I went down with, with Brian and for his, his second interview, my first, it was very interesting, very thorough physical, obviously. They did a lot of things. Uh, I, I think, at least in this particular case, there was a lot of alcohol. And, and I think that because, <laughs> well, I think that's, you're being evaluated from, from top to bottom. And I think sure. the alcohol is exactly what an astronaut is going to bump up against when he gets out. How do you handle yourself? Are you going to embarrass the, the core? Are you going to embarrass NASA? Are you going to get loud and stupid? We did have one guy sure. get loud and stupid with alcohol. And so the, we had one guy who it turned out he had a heart murmur, but they kept him there because there's guys doing PhDs. I mean, you know, they they all have their own programs and you're, you're great test subjects, you know, with all these guys okay. coming down there. So they, they kept him in they in one of the interviews, they asked him why he wanted to be an astronaut. And he said, because his father was and his grandfather was, and they'd all be disappointed if he didn't make it. <laughs> Which I thought, <laughs> the I thought was fabulous. They were not amused. I know. <laughs> but he was he had already been disqualified, so he was kind of he was messing around. So I went down, and I didn't make it. I had fourteen hundred dollars, and I, but I didn't expect to. Brian di- did, and he went. I went to his first night launch, and it was it was really spectacular to, to see a, a the shuttle launch at night. Anyway. I went back to the fleet and back, and then I was class desk at Navair. It's in charge of class desk is in charge of systems and engineering on a particular airframe. In this case, it was the Harrier, just as we were going into the AV8B. And so the I was down there and got in a, a car accident, got hit by a drunk driver on the wrong side of the road at, mm-hmm. at midnight on the thirteenth of Friday, the thirteenth of February, nineteen eighty four. But anyway, that I wound up with a broken neck and broken legs and pretty thorough. Oh my gosh. One month prior to the second interview. So NASA oh disinvited gosh. me to the second interview. And so I, I know that you, you're, you as well are the victim of a drunk driver. So you yeah. understand too well how that disrupts a life or ends a life. So at any rate, so that was, that was the, my NASA story in the, but let me move on to something more fun. The Blues Brothers. Yeah, Blues Brothers. What's that about? Okay. We, <laughs> I, I was the, at this point, I was the group CEO in, in Yuma, in Meg 13, and, which is a great job. And anyway, the, the group CEO, I, <laughs> I got on with, I went back and forth with the commander. And the squadron commander is in charge of all the, uh, in charge of all the facilities, he's got the the commissary, the exchange, the barber shop, the chapel. He's got. I'm sorry, station station, station, command? station, station command. command, right? Yeah, station okay. Station right. commander, and I was the 
he's a base commander and I am the group commander. The group is a bunch of area squadrons and supporting squadrons, that kind of stuff. And anyway, we didn't get along all that well. (laughs) He was, he he told me I didn't have to call him sir, even though he was 10 days more senior. How about that? (laughs) I I appreciate that a great deal. And I said, I, and I appreciate you being, you know, the, the landlord. And I, I reminded him that you're in charge of shitters and quitters. I've got the airplanes. I've got the guns. I've got the bombs. I've, I've got it all, but I appreciate your support. Thank you for your interest in naval aviation. (laughs) Hey, what, what, what year, uh, what years were you? 1990. I took over the, the day before Saddam invaded Kuwait. Oh, so August of 90. Yeah. And August of 90. That's right. And so anyway, the, we went back, we, some of it was fun. We had, he would always put this, he put the sprinkler next to my car. So I had the window open when I was in the club for lunch a couple of times. So (laughs) I, he foolishly left his door open. So I put it in his car and they, that that started it. And then he gave a ticket to one of, one of my is PMO gave a ticket to one of the squadron wives that parked in one of the myriad spots. She had noticed that he had COMCAS in front of the commissary, in front of the exchange, in front of the O club, in front of the theater, in everywhere. I mean, he, he could have had a squadron of cars and he couldn't have filled each one of his spaces. <laughs> so we had, I in cahoots with a PMO who agreed to not do any touring that night, we had the boys go out and re- repaint each spot with any Mag-13 wife. And so the, the Mag-13 wives really appreciated that. So that was, that was a little payback for his giving, giving our lady a ticket. So anyway, there's a number of those things going back and forth. But one, one idiosyncrasy he had was, we have too many of your people. It's always my people if it was trouble. We have too many of your people coming through the coming through the gate and going out in town with their flight suits on and their, and their working uniforms and the rest. And I want to, I'm going to, I want you to agree with me that we put out a firm. We're going to take people to office hours that, that do that. And, you know, I don't care who they are. They're going to office hours. And I said, you I, I didn't like that much, but he got, I think he got the CG on his side at the same guy that punched out of the Harrier. So, with without being strapped in. So anyway, the uh, he's he's a good guy, by the way. But I'm trying to think here. So anyway, the oh, I said, well, let's do this. I, I don't want guys wearing the uniform of the day, coming to and from work. They just pit them out. You know, you you sweat through it. It's it's a it's a fine. I'm 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 charging them dry cleaning every day they come to work. Yeah, plus it's not not productive. They got to stop and get changed yeah, to go to and fro. Yeah. So I said, let's do this. Let's put out the word. I don't want people out in town in working uniforms. Okay, they can come through the gate. The only place that I, that uh, okay with them and getting out of their car in town is for childcare. You know, they shouldn't have to change for that. But they can. Yeah, they can come back and forth. I don't want them walking around in town in utilities either. They look like a bunch of army guys. So. Anyway, I, so we said yes. So that very weekend, I get I get a call in Sunday night from the provost marshal. They've picked up two lieutenants 
in Topper's Topless Bar on Sunday night were turned in by an Air Force colonel, which makes me wonder what an Air Force colonel was doing at Topper's Topless Bar. Yeah, at, that's at suspicious. It turns out they were, they were just checking in. They just came from 203 and decided to wear their flight suit to this bar. And I, <laughs> I, I said, holy shit, well, this is, this is a problem. Because if, if, according to our agreement, I take them to office hours and there's no point in, in letting them fly Harriers. They're not going to make captain. I mean, you, yeah. you have that in your record. You're just screwed. So anyway, I was trying to think of something and I got a call, I know, from my boss, the CG, and he said, do you want me to handle it? Because he hadn't checked into the group yet. And he was actually, he's been kind with me that he didn't, he didn't want me to be the bad guy. I said, I, I said I could handle it. He said, well, what is, what's your plan? And I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're being honest. <laughs> so I got oh, these yeah. guys Monday morning. They come, it came to me that night, but I think alcohol was involved. Anyway, the, the next day I got this, these two yahoos. We'll call them Juice and Numbnut. They, <laughs> I, I got the two of them in there, and I gave them the full Monty. Stand up, sit down, cloud up and rain on them. Maximum profanity. I'm good at it. And so anyway, I, I finally <laughs> said, okay, okay, you yahoos. It's clear to me that you have no respect for your uniform. You don't understand the, how to care for it in an pro- appropriate manner. So I said, what I can do is I can take you to office hours, in which case I probably won't let you fly anymore because you're worthless to me. You'll get passed over for captain. You'll get out. And I said, so I I said, or I said, I can find an office hours. I can find you one half month's pay for two months and give you a letter of reprimand, or we can do my plan. What would you like? Sir. Your plan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about you, Juice? He said, Sir, your plan. I was hoping to do your plan. And so <laughs> I said, okay. My plan is since you don't know how to care for your uniforms, whenever you're flying aboard this base, they were both in the BOQ. When you're flying, I want you in a flight suit. When you're not flying, I want you in dress blues, cover, sword, gloves, the works. You got that? We're not going to embarrass our uniforms anymore. It, it, yes, sir. How long would that be? That would be until the Marine Corps ball in November. It, it, wait, what month was this? August. <laughs> so I did give, and the, and the sergeant major said, uh, sir, that, that worked. He said, enlisted guys were saying, I'll bet they don't have to go to office hours. And he says, now they're saying they'd all rather have office hours than be in their dress blues for the next three months. <laughs> so anyway, it was, it was a, walk, a workaround with the office hours, but then the beauty of that whole thing was at the Marine Corps Bowl, and I gave I think I gave them three days off as <laughs> I was requested by the health department to get their uniforms clean before the Marine Corps Bowl. So anyway, we, <laughs> we did that one, but then at the Marine Corps Bowl, I, I juice, there was a big circle around juice, and I said, what is going on? I mean, he's a slow learner. Juice is taking his clothes off, taking his his blues off. Underneath his his blues, he's got a flight suit. And I thought, what a clash! <laughs> Up until the Marine Corps ball, don't have to wear it no oh, more. He, he he took it off, but that was I I couldn't believe. I, he's either a slow learner or he's got more nerve than anybody I ever dreamed of. But I thought it was a great move at the Marine Corps ball. 
Yeah, I'm it was really brilliant. Juice is a good guy. My- Juice and I taught Harriers together at the RAG, and he's a captain at a major now. That's that's great. I'm that's going awesome. to. Uh, I need to take a break here for a minute. Yeah, sure. Let's let's take five minutes. Okay. Sounds good. Well, yeah, we've been going at this for two hours. Yeah, man, um, this I is think, awesome. Let's see. Uh, Go another, at least another half hour, or so and I can make two shows out of this. Okay. Or yeah. or uh, oh, are I, you running up on a t- are you running up on a time problem? No, or? no. Okay, bladder problem, but not a time. Problem. Yeah. Oh, I there know. I'm sorry. I had to step out. I was I was at the end. I was at the end of. I was DefCon. I was at DefCon. You know, Delta. Defecate Delta. <laughs> yeah. I do have a good. I have a. Oh, how the General Monday call was good. I've got. Yeah, good, a good that. story about my check-in to Nazareth. Okay. And, yeah, that'll be and a good. Let's take a quick physiological break and come back and, uh, and start with that. Sounds great. So, all right. Do you need to so, go, repeat? I'm, I'm good for now. I'm a little concerned about your level of hydration, sir. Yeah, well, there, that, I'm going to go rehydrate with some uh, Modellos and some, uh, and some Trulies and all that right after all this. All right, well, but, I'm going to take uh, this opportunity to go refill my glass. Okay. And then I'll All be right. right. I'll be right back. Sounds good. I will try uh, to fill some dead air whilst you're gone. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find me a Dos Gringos song. Give me just a minute to do that. I think yeah. I've got some. Look at you. Yeah. Hi. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're gonna play some Dos Gringos song. He was oh, talking about two dogs earlier. Live. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's a good So idea. I'm going to play uh, The Legend of Shave Dog's Ass. Here oh, we go. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Is there a bad one? No. No. I gotta turn it up. We walked into the squadron in the summer of 02. And since that time, we've never been the same. This wingman who would soon become a legend in his time, he never spoke. So no one knew his name But after his arrival There was never an empty keg And always a fresh new batch of corn And the coffee was the best At your lips, whatever taste And the shitter was always filled with porn And he rode into battle With his back against the sun us all, for we knew he was the one, and his name was Shaved Dog's Ass, the greatest of wingmen was he, he only said to lead your on fire and save the fat one for me, we soon went off to war. And the fighting was intense The enemy snuck up from the hills And he always got the tally first But never did he shoot Just sat back His flight leads got the kills And he never would complain When lead would fuck him over The thought never even crossed his mind Sixty-nine times they notched press at night Lights out no mood shaved dog's ass Not once did he go blind And he rode In the valley 
against the sun And he saved us all Oh, we knew he was the one And his name was Shane Dog's ass The greatest of wingmen was he Set out on the town to celebrate this war's final land. And we came upon some ladies who were looking for heroes, but only if we had one for their friend. She stood six feet four, three hundred pounds, more facial hair than me. You could say she was a football coach's dream. And we all jumped back in horror as we started to abort. Shaved dog's ass stood up and took one for the team And he rode in the battle with his back against the sun And he saved us all Oh, we knew he was the saw the world's greatest wingman like to think he's watching us from above or maybe he's just sitting on some tropical island he and Sasquatch happily in love and I think about him often as I'm eating shitty corn and the coffee is burnt to the glass so do all you wingmen out there who are looking to be the best just heed the lesson of the legend of Shave Dog's ass And he rode Hitting the battle with his back against the sun And he saved us all Oh, we knew he was the one And his name was Shave Dog's ass The greatest of wingmen was he From, was it General Mundy? I want to say Dwight Mundy, but he was in our squad. Right? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, Carl Mundy. Yeah, there you yeah, go. The convention uh, he was, was a commandant, as I recall. Yes, he was. The, uh, <laughs> the convention was that they would have a promotion board, 
and they would hold the results of the promotion board amid much speculation for the for the advancement of general, brigadier general, and the commandant would personally call the people that had been selected and tell them. So here's what you have: you have a couple of hundred colonels on. It would, this always happened on uh, New Year's Eve, and so you'd have a couple hundred colonels on New Year's Eve, like 16 year olds at prom time, hovered over the phone, <laughs> waiting, waiting for it to ring. So at any rate, I had this is just the early days of call waiting because I remember phone rang and I didn't, and I was down watching football or something, and my daughter said, "Hey, Dad, there's a Mister Monday on the phone for you." <laughs> she said, but if it clicks, find out who it is because I'm expecting a really important call. So anyway, I told that story to General Monday, and he used that a couple of times. He said he really enjoyed that one. There's a Mr. Monday on the phone. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's how I found out. And then one of the first things you, they do is you go to charm school. And charm school lasts about a week, or at least they call it charm school. But it's a lot mm-hmm. of useful things. The one is the in a, actually General Monday later on asked me if I would I, w- I would go ahead and do that, be one of the instructors for charm school. It lasts about a week. You do a lot of interviews, practice interviews, hostile interviews, because most by that time nobody has talked down to you or asked you a hard question. I mean, you've been the CO, and so you you need to, to find out how to handle that. You need to find out how to handle a hostile interview. And right. in fact, I I was confronted with one almost immediately. And so there's a lot of good things about that. And I used to tell him when he, I said, two things I would tell a newly promoted guy. First is buy new uniforms. Okay, you just made general. You just You just knocked one on the green. And you've been holding off with, with your uniform because you don't want to pour money into it because you might be retiring the next day. Right. I said, so, okay, right. you're there. Buy new uniforms that fit. Second, <laughs> second thing is disregard all the people that have told you don't change. Stay away or stick with what got you here. And I said, that's bullshit. And I said, you need to make the adjustment. You now, I said, if you if – you, a colonel and you tell a major that you're you're disappointed he needs to pick up the pace do this or that he, he might he may or may not do it if you are a general and you tell a major to pick up the pace he's going to be suicidal uh, it's it his career is over so you you need to understand you do need to change you need to do you need to understand that the words that you carry now you're no different but the impact of the words of a criticism or anything else are, are much more severe. You have to understand and not abuse that power. I still, right. I still believe that. Anyway, when I, the first thing that happened was my first assignment. Well, well actually, my first assignment was operations, uh, operations officer in the Marine Corps. And in the operations officer, I worked for a three-star who was PPO, plans, programs, and operations. But as the operations officer, I was in charge of all of the embassies around the world. The operations officer is the guy in charge of that. So you have to go around and visit them. I had a lot of trouble with the offices in Paris and London. Not so much in the stands. I never had to visit them. It was supposed to be a joke. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, for one. <laughs> so I had, when I was there, the, one of the things they do is they, they have the tank in the Pentagon. And the tank in the Pentagon is a very secure room. It's down in the bowels of the Pentagon. And they'll get together once a year or so. Mostly it's the, it'll be the assistant head, the assistant uh, commandant, that kind of stuff for, for routine affairs. And then periodically they'll bring the big boys in, the head of all the services. If there's, I think they do that periodically, not real sure, it's close hold. But if they have a big problem, then they'll bring them all in on call. And so and my the horse holder in this case, the number two guy that went with the, goes with the commandant is a head of PPNO. And I knew this was not called because that guy was gone. He was on leave. And so that left just me. And I remember General Monday said, let's go. We're going to the tank. Come on down. I said, okay. <laughs> so anyway, here's, here's, here's Anderson. He's going to be the horse holder in the tank for General Monday. So we went over and it was, it was almost, when I walked in, you would, you would have thought I had dropped a turd in the punch bowl. They, they, everybody looked at me like, who the hell is he? Because the only major in the room was changing slides and everybody else was a four star with their three star deputy. And in comes Anderson, and it was it was not a one. So, so you're a brigadier general, and you're kind of second from the bottom on the oh, totem pole. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they, they looked at me like an interloper, you know. So I got in there, and they said, "Okay." It was it was one of those days. I'm, I think the the press was going crazy. Remember the pictures of the babies? It was either maybe Serbia or Bosnia. It was it was in that part of the world, and okay. it was the bad guys, and who they rotate bad guys and good guys. The right. bad guys were starving out the good guys, and they had the pictures of the young infants with flies in their face, and they're starving to death and bloated bellies. And, and they, in right. the presses, we need, we have to stop the dying. We have to do something. We have to, you know, and it was the president was under a lot of pressure to do something, and so he called over. You know, what are my military options? Was one of the things he asked, and so. They went around the room and they started with the Navy. You know, we should probably send in some carriers and the Air Force. You know, let's we'll, we'll I think probably we ought to send our stealth bombers in and just waste them. And the Army wanted to send in special forces and the Navy is going to send in more, more SEALs. And I got over, got over to General Mondays and they said, General, how do you feel? He says, I don't know. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I said, it was easy. I was thinking this the whole time, you know, but it's just kind of easy because I won't have, I don't have a speaking. I got nothing to say. I I said, I think we should carpet bomb them. And then the place got very quiet. And I said, (laughs) I said, no, I I said, uh, carpet bomb them with MREs, with, with sea rations, with, I said, they're using, they're using food as a weapon. They're starving these people out. And I said, if we want to, I wouldn't put any troops on the ground. I wouldn't put anything. I wouldn't put any Americans at risk. We can, you can, you can disarm them immediately. If they're using food for weapons, disarm them by flooding that place with MREs. I, I go high altitude, just drop them over. They, they'll squirrel them away quickly enough. The bad guys, there's no way they can police that. I still believe that was true. I didn't, <laughs> nobody said I second that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I said, I just, that was it on, on the way out. 
Gerald Mundy said, you know, he said, I tell you, Joe, he said, that was, that was a pretty good idea, but you lost him with the carpet bombing. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. I, I believe that to this day, but the, uh, but anyway, that was, that was my moment in the sun in the, in the tank, in the bowels of the <laughs> Pentagon. And so let's see the other one. Oh, my first one. So we're back to charm school. And okay. charm school helped me because my first day I checked in, I was going to be the first Marine who was going to be the deputy at the Naval Air Systems Command. Naval Air Systems Command buys all of the, uh, of the, the weapons, all the aircraft for the Navy and Marine Corps, all of the, the modifications, all of the weapons, all, all of that. And it's a pretty fair structure. It was in, it took up two big buildings, Jefferson Plaza one and two over Crystal City. And so, I was told I was going to be the first Marine deputy. They said the Marines over there were not being taken care of. They were just, you know, redheaded stepchild that we want some Marines at the top. that are going to look out for other Marines, which I thought was a capital idea because I had done a tour as, as a class desk over there. So I understood that the uh, Marines were not particularly listened to. So I went over, I put my uniform on my green in and reported in like you should. And I think you had somebody inadvertently reported in, I remember on one of your podcasts, but the, okay. uh, but I, I knew I was reporting in that day. So I showed up and the three-star Admiral was over there. As I got there, I, there's all kinds of police cars and there's all kinds of activity, uh, CBS, NBC, the, all the trucks are out in front. So oh, kind of waded yeah. through all this stuff. And I went up to the 12th floor on Jefferson Plaza and reported in to the general and the, this, this lieutenant PR, he looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He came rolling in with the presses here. They, they, they want to hear something. You want. Well, it turns out that a disgruntled employee went home for lunch, but passed over for a promotion, came back and with a gun. And a lieutenant commander saw the gun, stopped him, put his hand out and said, stop right there. And the bullet pierced his hand and went into his shoulder. It was not effective and stay right there. And so then he walked over and the secretaries were all screaming. He puts the gun in his mouth or he says, watch this and blows his brains out. And so Ugh. this place is a buzz. And yeah. I got up there in the, in the, the PR, the PA, the public affairs guy said, well, you, they want to talk to somebody. We got to talk to and. And the, he, the admiral says, what do you think, General? And I said, I wouldn't talk to him. I said, we don't know anything. Tell him the minute we know something, we'll talk to him. You know, I said, but speculating is not going to do any good. He said, well, hmm. He said, you're all dressed up. You go talk to him. I said, okay. So I get back in the elevator. This is great. No. I get back in the elevator. I get down. The elevator door is open, and I've got all these cameras. And I've got the microphone stuck in my face. And they said, General, do you have a security problem at the Naval Air Systems Command? Well, this is beautiful. I can say, yeah, uh, we got a dead guy. And so anyway, the, uh, I could incur all the, the Western world <laughs> full of blowback. Or I could be the quintessential Marine General and said, no, we don't have any problems here. Dead guy in the background. And so yeah. I said, so it's, it's a lose-lose. Well, I, I hearkened back to Charm School, and I said, that's an excellent question. And he kind of preened, and I said, in fact, 
that will be the basis of our of our evaluation. Our, and I said, and I've got to get started on that investigation right now. So excuse me, please. So I threw him. I threw him an air ball. And they they bought it. <laughs> the charm school paid off. Excellent question. Yeah. Well, you, next time you hear an interview, watch the guy play for time by saying, that's an excellent question. Right. It's amazing how many times you hear that. That's great. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. And the other thing, you made an observation that had always been my observation from my very early, early days as a lieutenant in Land Battalion is that it, it's amazing to me how much effect a simple question that a flag officer asks can have downrange, the ripples downrange. You know, like, uh, you know, it was something to the effect of, you know, what, you know, why aren't the rocks on the edge of the lawn green? Well, guess what we spent the next yeah, two weeks doing? Painting rocks type thing. It's like, oh, my God. In uh, fact, that's, so, that is so, the beauty of being an aviator general. Because you, if you're right about painting the rocks white, if you're a grunt, you show up, it's an inspection. I mean, they're all going to, when you're an aviator and you show up and you fly with them, then it's formal for about three minutes. And then now we're briefing. Now we're, now we're talking real things. And if you, and if you fly with them, that's, that breaks, breaks down a lot of barriers. That was the best part about, best part about, being in Japan as a as a CG, I got a chance to fly all the airplanes, and it breaks down the barriers. Now it was just it was it was fun. Nice, yeah. What speaking a great of, gig. Speaking of aircraft, and I would tell them I, I could hover. So when I fly with the fly with the with the Hilo guys, I said, "Here's the deal." I said, "If you don't like what you see, say something. If you still don't like what you see." Then say, I've got control of the aircraft, and then we'll talk from there. Okay, no points off. I can hover so I can put you to sleep, but I don't really have a clue as to how this works. <laughs> but don't, don't let me lull you to sleep. So quick question about aviation stuff, flight time. How, how many hours did you get in the F-4? Just get me close. I think I had just yeah. short of 1,000 hours in the F-4. All right. And how about the Harrier? Harrier, it's just over 2,500. Holy shit. Nice. And then, oh, that's um, a lot of stress. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That's a lot of stress. Well, and then, so I know you flew the A4 at the RAG, and that was that was just like a yeah. um, like a NATOPS checkout type thing, I, I and then you a, went to the F4. Interesting. Rack. I have one over here on, on all the airplanes. When it was going away, I have it in my office of how of each one. That, the most I ever flew was two things that are memorable as far as flight time. One of them was April of 1975. I was an instructor in 203, and we were taking delivery of airplanes in the cart. In their, their un, they were taking them out of the crate. This is on, uh, right along with one of your notes. Yeah, so you were uh, to, to, April to talk April about 75. That. I got I had 75 hours flying Harriers, and I that's that's the most I had any month. Seventy-five hours in a month—that's a lot. I just like strapping in and yeah. get out of one airplane and get into the other. I was the only post maintenance check pilot, and and I was one of two Harrier pilots. The other one, yeah. And so you were taking these were so you were taking basically 
acceptance or test flights of airplanes right out of a crate. Right. You were putting them together and then you were, you were checking them out. Right. And they, <laughs> wow. and I know the Brits, the Brits are pretty thrifty. They don't, they don't give you extras. So I always ask this, <laughs> what do you got left over boys? <laughs> no extra widgets in the box. No. Huh? And a couple of times there was some <laughs> leftover bolts and nuts and stuff. And I go, Ooh, that's not good. So that's something that you haven't talked about. And if you did, when I was gone briefly, I, I apologize. When you were a VMA 231 debt commander, eight months, Japan, Korea, uh -huh. Philippines, I, Thailand. Did you talk about that already? No, it was just, it was just great. I mean, I'm trying to think. You, you, there was. It says six aircraft, seven pilots, 100 listed, best tour ever. And I'm assuming that was on an LHA. No. That was short based in in uh, out of Kadena. No way! Oh, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, that was it. I mean, we we went everywhere. We we did whatever we wanted. It was we did dissimilar. I mean, it was just it was a great deal. Everybody, every, each of the pilots was ACTI, LADI, and all that business. So we had it was. Let's see. I'm trying to think of, of who was in it that you might have had on. Birdman, I don't know if he's a snake. A uh, uh, snake, yeah. There's two snakes. There's a snake, yeah. snake who stayed there at Cherry Point, worked the ranges. Yeah, snake fuel. Yeah, and then you got yeah. you got Dick White, the other snake in the yeah yeah, yeah. who gave Otto his call sign. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He was my he was my XO when I was seal. Okay. And I'm trying to think of who. Uh, let's see. Buckwheat was in it. Anyway, it was a it was a great group of guys. There's another note here that I don't think we touched on. It says uh, AWS canceled and then IDA. Oh, uh, so did you have orders of Phibius War School uh, War School at one point? I, and then I got something orders and I I checked in and the MPs came to the door and said your orders have been changed, and I did a high five. I'm going to NASA, <laughs> <laughs> and it was changed. And what it was is. They they conducted or they commenced a study on the Falklands, although they called it the South Atlantic Conflict Study Group uh, out of the Institute for Defense Analysis, and they looked around and they had no subject matter expert on the Harriers. And of course, I was expendable as a guy just just checking into a school, so they I I did that and the. I did that for a year. We we studied that beauty longer than they, they fought it. But anyway, it's very interesting. We traveled to UK. We interviewed all the people involved, and it was a lot. There's a lot of good lessons learned on it. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. So you never had to go to AWS in 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 person. No. <laughs> that's great. Nice. No, the only the only one <laughs> the only one I went to was National War College. And okay. National War College was great because the it's in D.C., so they can get all the rollers. You you got uh, heads of all the services. You got at the time, one of my favorites was George Schultz. He was a Secretary of State, and he came in and talked. And he said, "You know, I really like my military advisors." He says, "I get no shit advice." He says, "When I talk to my advisors from the State Department, he said I get one of three things." He said, "One is." is total capitulation, thermonuclear warfare, or our plan. <laughs> I thought, what, that was a great line. It gives you a lot of places. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Char. Well, you know what? Char. Oh, that's that's just it's a whole new world. That's the sea area. That's arts. Arts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of a lot of great stories with flying around with art. You can imagine. Right. I'm. By the way, yeah. it doesn't come out because he's such a wild man. The he is just watching him and and do the things that he's done. He's probably one of the most talented aviators I've ever seen. I mean, he's there's some awkward moments when you're flying air shows and in different conditions, and he was just remarkable in his dexterity skills. You know, I would and it's. It does, doesn't always come through in the interview. And it, certainly I had a, a firsthand look at all of it. And he's a, he's one hell of a pilot. He's, he's a, he is a wild man, human being. That's absolutely fun to be around. He doesn't have, you and I have bad days. He doesn't have bad days. He has less funny days. <laughs> less funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but he, he took you, when you, started to go back to the Harrier then to fly that with him. He, you guys went back down to Cherry Point. We did. Uh, and uh, and went to the sim. He, he, would, he didn't say it at the time, but he knew I'd been out of the cockpit for 10 years or so. And he's he he's not interested in his investment in the hands of somebody with no motor skills. So I understood all that. We, we flew together in the L-39 and flew that for a while. And I got qualified in that one. Then we went down. Greyhound was was the instructor down there, and Greyhound he was he was hard. He said, that he, "I remember he Art said, turn off the stabs, and we'll turn off the HUD, and we turn off. It was a it was in, let's go to Bogue Field, and so anyway, we did all that, and I was I was perspiring a lot. I was working hard <laughs> at the whole thing, and, and and finally Hound says, he said chaos. He said. I wouldn't do that to somebody I didn't like. So what do you got against Gallo? <laughs> but at any rate, so Art, I passed the test, and so we we flew together, and it was it was a second life. I mean, it was it was fabulous for me. That's that's awesome. Well, uh, so how long had it been from the time you stepped out of a Harrier to the time you stepped back into the one that uh, the Sea well, Harrier? Let's see, I retired in two thousand. I'm trying to think of when is the first time I flew with Art. Just one second. I can hear great. I can hear Hound's voice. So what do you do with people you don't like? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to get Hound on the show. He is a fabulous raconteur. I'll talk to Hound. You said he's been he's been dragging his feet, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he has. We want him on because he's funnier than sin. We convicted him at one point, though. Uh, he was a squadron XO at 223 when Fig and I were there. And at one point, we took him to kangaroo court and convicted him of the most hair on fire stories <laughs> for the least hair on fire activity because we could not get him to the Oak Club unless it was a command performance by the skipper. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he does go out and, you know, he put on his PT gear and go for a run. And uh, Okay, it was 2009. Okay. Oh February 2009 was my first flight with our Terrier. Okay. So it had been about seven years yeah. from the last time. Okay. What, what did that feel like that going back? Oh, that was much easier than I thought it was. <laughs> after okay. Hound's, 
after Hound's abuse. I was surprised. You know, you hear all the back to old bicycle and stuff like that. And I, it's the same thing. Well, I told Art the same thing I told the young guys when I flew with them. If, if you, if you see something, don't, it's a setup, you know, nobody wants to correct the general or nobody wants and and it's, you can lull them to sleep. And then, so I said, if you don't, if you don't like it, don't assume that I know what I'm doing just differently. Just go ahead and challenge it. That's, right. and it's what I told you before. Repeat about about art. He's easy to work with. We don't we don't have anything on our sleeve. I don't have to say. I can say check your seat armed five times in a row, and he's he's not going to say stop bothering me. Right. Yeah. You're there for each other's safety. Yeah. Well, gents, we've been going at this for two and a half hours. Yeah. So I think it's probably time to land the airplane. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. As soon as as soon as we all sign off, the, then it'll for, come for to the you. next fifteen yeah. minutes, you're gonna think about oh, shit. You oh no! Like, oh man! I so just write it down. Just make a bullet. Yeah, and yeah. then we'll reattack. Well, I think uh, yeah, I think if we probably ought to land this airplane here, Fig, we got a couple thank yous we have to get out of the way. First and foremost, I'm sitting in attention, and I want to thank you, General, for spending time. Well, in that Truly case, an honor. In that case, I'll have the last word. Yes, you, go. you guys are doing a great job. Not just not just because you're smart enough to select the, the perfect people. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, no, well said. No, I, it's a service to, to aviation. The stories are why we have reunions. The stories are why we get together. And the stories are a lot of why we stayed. We, we like the camaraderie. We like the people we hang around with. And so uh, I, I, I think you're doing a service and it's working. So I, I just, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you I, I admire what you're doing. This is kind of a second look at it. It's almost like I felt with art. You, you know, we're going to re-engage, and we say that's great. So lucky. Well, with thank art. you, thank you for that. It's truly an honor to get to hear all these stories firsthand from the actual legends. And you, my friend, Amen. you, sir, are a legend in the Harrier community to me, to right. me and guys like repeat, you know, because this Absolutely. is what when we showed up at the rag, you know, they showed us videos of all the A model <laughs> crashes. Yeah, yeah. And then we started hearing all these stories from, you know, guys that were A model guys that stuck around. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for coming with us and sh sharing your stories. And thank Indeed. you for your service. Indeed. Thank you so much. And we also want to thank all of our active duty military, all of our veterans, and all the families who've supported them throughout the years that allow them to do their mission. We wouldn't have the freedoms we have without all those people who signed up on the dotted line and, and offered that sacrifice and, and the families who didn't sign up and yet still sacrificed for, for our freedoms. So we appreciate that. We need to thank also gent by the name of Dave Hamilton over at BackbeatMedia.com. Dave's got uh, Dave's got a couple of shows: the Mac Geek Gab, the Gig Gab for musicians, and the Business Brain for entrepreneurs. Advertising for the show handled by BackbeatMedia.com. If you have a show and you want some advertising, reach out to BackbeatMedia.com online and see if they can't help you out. We have some terms. Fig, what would you do if you heard a term here that we didn't go back to? Well, we have a glossary. So go to our glossary at so there I was dot us slash glossary, and if it's not there, shoot us an email. 
specifically sticks at so there I was dot us and say hey I don't know what this means we 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 try to stay on top of it but uh, we, we there's a lot of acronyms flying around today so let us know if there's something we missed absolutely spring's coming up got the merch store so go get yourself a koozie a hat a hoodie but bikini. with spring and summer bikini there it is the bikini so there I was bikini. So there I was, .us slash merch. Get yourself in the store. Buying stuff there also helps us out, in addition to getting to look cool as you're walking around with our cool logos on your on your gear. So uh, thank you to our uh, Patreon pilots. We've got so many people that are throwing hard-earned money our way. We don't understand why, but we are grateful, in fact, that you do it every week. And I think we might have mentioned it on the last intro, but I want to go ahead and mention it. We're up to five... We're going to make him a wing commander or something, uh, Chucker there. Five-time tanker yeah, aircraft that's, commander. That's, wow. That's insane. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so Chucker. much. So uh, if you could rate us, that would be great. Go to sothereiwas.us slash rate. Give us a five-star rating, please. None of this three-star crap that we've been seeing. Not happy about that. We'll take that under advisement. Don't try and fix it. Uh He's listening today, Brad Silcott over at BDSAviationPhotography.com, allowing us to use some of the photos that you take, sir. Thank you for sharing your art with us. It is deeply appreciated. Sticks reminder, uh, reminds us we have 496 members now on the So There I Was Facebook group. Four shy of 500. That's awesome. Four more, to make, four more to hit the 500. Right? Right. So... Um, some of that music looping in the background sounds vaguely familiar. I think we've had those guys on the show. That's the Dos Gringos, the two yeah. Air Force F-16 pilots that make the Air Force sound awesome. Great music. They do indeed. They do indeed. So that's it. Until next week, everybody, stay safe and check six. Crossing the pond And you could see that I wasn't exactly fond Of all the shit I was wearing On that day Now an F-16 is cramped enough But it's even worse With all that stuff Supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down The North Atlantic Man, it's over He said it He said it he said it's over. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs>